On this episode of Rev Hang, Ben and I talk about the IndyCar series finale at Laguna Seca and the Formula One Singapore Grand Prix. Let's do it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rev Hang. I'm Nathan, and alongside me and virtually is my good friend and co-host, Ben Bagley. How you doing, Ben? Pretty good. Just finished eating some uh, delicious homemade carne asada burritos. Uh, and I am ready to talk about the absurdity that happened last weekend and this weekend. Awesome. I love myself some good burritos. And yes, we do have some absurdity to go over. Uh, but first off, let me address something that the listeners might be noticing. Uh, my sound settings are not completely where they need to be. I am on a brand new PC, which I am very stoked about. Uh, but Subtle flex. Yeah, the first the first couple of episodes might uh, sound a little off until I can get this dialed in. Um, but that is beside the point. This is not an audiophile podcast, thank goodness, because I am not one. This oh, what is, an idea, though. Oh, yeah. That would be something I would, I would not listen to, but I'm sure that many people would. Um, <laughs> Ironic. Yeah, this is a uh, <laughs> racing podcast. So let's get into racing. We have a couple to go over. First off, the Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey at Laguna Seca in, in, the, in the IndyCar series. And secondly, we have the Formula One Singapore Grand Prix. So we're going to start with IndyCar and the Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey. Uh, this is at Laguna Seca. Ben and I love this track. I know for a fact. We say it every year. Yep, it's so cool. Such it's a, a classic. Track. It is, and it uh, generates fantastic racing, and that is sort of what we got. Um, got a fantastic something. Yeah. So let's go over the top ten in qualifying to give you an idea of the general setup of the race in the beginning. On pole position was Felix Rosenqvist, followed by Scott McLaughlin and Christian Lingard. Fourth and fifth were Joseph Newgarden. Uh, six through ten was Alex Pelot, Yuri Vips, Rena's VK, Will Power, and Roman Grosjean. Yuri Vips had a fantastic qualifying, uh, considering it was only his second race in the series. Seventh place is nothing to be sniffed at. All right. Going into the race, there was a massive accident into turn two involving Vips, Newgarden, and Ray Hall, and I think a couple of other drivers. Uh, Scott Dixon took out Renus VK before turn three. Uh, there was a caution as a result of all of this madness. On the restart, McLaughlin quickly overtook several cars. Pillow overtook Rosenqvist into the last corner, hitting him off the track in the process, uh, but did not receive any sort of penalty or reprimand. Newgarden spun into the wall on lap eight, ending his race. A lap after the restart, Rosenqvist and Erickson came together. Erickson stalled and brought out a yellow flag. Rosenqvist spun out into the next corner before the yellow came out, uh, but it wouldn't have mattered. On the restart, Peterson and Castro Nevis came together, causing yet another yellow flag. On the restart after that one, Grosjean attacked a warden below, but was unsuccessful. On lap 57, Malukas and DeFrancesco came together, causing yet another yellow flag. On the restart for that yellow flag, Ferrucci hit Blancfist into the last corner, bringing out another caution. On the restart after that caution, Erickson and Armstrong came together into the last corner, bringing out another caution. On the restart after that caution, Polo and Erickson came together, but managed to get away with it. Dixon made his way through the field very quickly and just drove off into the sunset. With 21 laps to go, Herta and Castroneves came together, causing, you guessed it, another caution. On the restart, Power and Lugard came together, but got away with it, and uh, I'm sure we missed a couple of cautions in the race, but uh, that was the general overview. The Laguna Seca Derby of IndyCar. <laughs> it was. It was It was non-stop yellow flags and cautions. Uh, it was kind of actually laughable. Unbelievable. But then, yeah. Um, I think I, mean, I get that Laguna Seca got repaved, so it was kind of slick. But like, man, that... yeah, wow, yeah, it was kind of nuts. I think there were eight cautions in total, eight or nine. Um, yeah, I think the I saw a statistic like the pace car led like thirty five laps or something. Maybe <laughs> it was twenty three. But... That's that's insane. Um, but yes, yeah, so let's go over the results of the race. Uh, in first place, winning was Scott Dixon with an absolute masterclass of a race, followed by Scott McLaughlin and Alex Pillow on the podium. Fourth and fifth were Will Power and Callum Eilat, who had a great race. 
Six through ten was Christian Lundgaard, Alex Rossi, Marcus Armstrong, Padua Ward, and Ryan Hunter Ray in his last race in IndyCar, uh, at least for the full-time drives. Uh, he will still be racing in 500s, I'm sure. Uh, 11 through 15 was Roman Grosjean, Stingray Rob, Helio Castro Neves, Augustine Canapino, and Marcus Erickson. 16 through 20 was Benjamin Peterson, Santino Ferrucci, Renas VK, Felix Rosenqvist, and David Malukas. Uh, 21 through 25 was Joseph Newgarden, Devlin DeFrancesco, Colton Herta, Yuri Vips, and Kyle Kirkwood. And 26 and 27 were Tom Blancvist and Graham Ray Hall. I guess Joseph Newgarden was not uh, out of the race completely like I thought he was, but he did have broken suspension, so it did take him a few laps to to get that fixed. Uh, anyway, uh, this race was an absolute Dixon masterclass. Um, perfect strategy, perfect driving. Uh, well, semi-perfect driving aside from taking VK out. As best you can. Yeah. Given the circumstances. Right. Considering that everybody was involved in something during that race. Um, this might have been Roman Grosjean's last IndyCar race. We are not 100% sure yet. I don't really see anywhere for him to go. Yeah. So he is not going to be driving the 28 car, uh, the DHL car, I believe. Marcus Erickson will be next season. Um it will be a little strange to see Erickson in the yellow and red colors after seeing him in That's the red and white for so long. Used to. Yeah. Um, Grosjean could possibly end up back at Dale Coyne Racing. I've heard those rumors. Uh, that's where he started in IndyCar before getting called up to Andretti. Um, I hope he's not out of the series, but if he is and nobody signs him, I can't really blame any of the teams for that. He's just been so consistently inconsistent <laughs> yeah uh yeah he crashes all the time and it's just that's just kind of what's defined his career unfortunately for him he's very fast but he doesn't finish a lot of races yeah i feel like this race is actually a pretty good showing i mean he finished it on four wheels but i feel like it was a pretty good showing of you know he was really strong and he qualified pretty well right yeah again yeah, he qualified 10th, I believe, yeah, but he he made his okay. way to the front several times throughout the race. Yeah. He was cuz yeah, at the start he was doing really well and then he just kind of shoots himself in the foot. Yeah, unfortunately, he did drive very well, but uh his strategy was not where it needed to be. He kind of got screwed over by all of the cautions. Um and so he ended up cycling back and ended up 11th. Uh, but he did drive very well and was impressing a lot of people. Yeah. So I, well, I guess say... he did end up 11. Okay. Well, I guess this was one of his better races. Yeah. It was a good uh, race to end up on, I'd say. Yeah. Um, but normally you'd see him, you know, at the start, like in this race, doing really well, and then he'd crash out or crash the way else out, and that would be the end. Yeah. But it's hard to know where he's going to end up because I believe he only had three top ten finishes this season. Yeah. So it's, I don't know, it's it's rough. I feel for the guy because he's a really nice guy, but he uh, he can't seem to keep the car on the track, whether it's his fault or not. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So Benjamin Peterson, on another note, won the Rookie of the Year award. Uh, he's the rookie with the most points at the end of the season. Uh, and he did impress a lot of people this season uh, with some pretty high up finishes. Um, pretty consistent. Uh, not consistently at the back like some other rookies were. Um, but then I would say Augustine Canapino, who was the challenger for that award, also had a pretty good rookie season, adapting to the IndyCar series pretty well. Um, he is a legend down in Argentina, uh, and if you read any of the comments on the IndyCar page on Instagram especially, you will see that there is much love for Canapino down there. <laughs> is it love for Canapino or hate for another driver? It's Well, it's usually either love for Canapino or hate for whoever affected Canapino's race negatively. Um, but <laughs> anyway, yes, he's, he's a rock star down there. Um, absolute racing legend in their 
uh, I don't I think it's a stock car series that he he was big in. Uh, he has like 13 championships or something like that. Goodness gracious. Yeah, so it's his first year in IndyCar, and he adapted pretty well, especially towards the end of the season. He was starting to uh, be more middle of the pack pretty consistently. And then he was up at the front for a little while uh, in the last race here. Uh, along with his teammate Callum Eilat, who was in the podium positions for a good chunk of the race and finished fifth. Yeah, Callum Eilat had an awesome race. Yeah. Um, I don't know where Callum Eilat's going to end up. He's also out of contract this year, so it would be interesting to see what happens to him. Uh, but yeah, so pretty crazy race. It was uh, the try not to cause a caution challenge level impossible. Um, <laughs> It was it was just absolutely nuts, and the race took a long time. It was, I think, over two hours long. Uh, but it was very entertaining. I will say that. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what I expected out of Nashville, and we never got. Right. <laughs> yeah, they kind of switched switched this year. Um, but yeah, so let's go through the standings for the final time this year. Uh, aside from the, I guess the season finale podcast that we'll do at the end of the formula one season. Um, but the standings for IndyCar at the end of the IndyCar season, uh, first through fifth are Alex Pillow, Scott Dixon, Scott McLaughlin, Pato O'Ward, and Joseph Newgarden. Um, six through 10 is Marcus Erickson, Will Power, Christian Lingard, Alex Rossi, and Colton Herta. 11 through 15 is Kyle Kirkwood, Felix Rosenqvist, Roman Grosjean, Renas VK, and Graham Rahal. 16 through 20 is Callum Eilat, David Malukas, Helio Castroneves, Santina Ferrucci, and Marcus Armstrong. 21 through 25 are Augustine Canapino, Devlin DeFrancesco, Stingray Robb, Jack Harvey, and Connor Daly. 26 through 30 are Ryan Hunter Ray, Benjamin Peterson, Simon Paginot, Takuma Sato, and Ed Carpenter. Uh, I think I misspoke. Hold on. <laughs> Somewhere earlier, but we'll finish this real quick. Uh, 31 through 35 are Linus Lundqvist, Tony Kanaan, Yuri Vips, Tom Blankvist, and Mario, Marco Andretti. Not Mario Andretti. He is not driving anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then 36 and 37 were Catherine Legg and R.C. Anderson with only Indy 500 entries. So, uh, back to me misspeaking. I said Benjamin Peterson won the Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I was going to say, Marcus Armstrong. It was Marcus like, Armstrong, yeah. He was, he was doing really well, and he did really well this race. And I wanted to make sure that it wasn't just talking out of my ass like I usually do. Yeah, no, it was Marcus Armstrong. It wasn't Augustine Canapino, or uh, Benjamin Peterson, whoever I said before. <laughs> uh, yeah. Marcus Armstrong was the one who won the Rookie of the Year. So forget everything I just said in the last five minutes because I was incorrect. <laughs> All right. Uh, that runs off IndyCar for this week and really this season. Uh, we will talk about it again in the season finale podcast, like I said earlier. Uh, but let's move on to paddock news uh, in the Formula One world, especially. Guan Zhou this week signed a one-year contract with Alfa Romeo. Um, so he uh, got that extension that he was looking for just for one year, though. I don't think he, to be completely frank, deserved any more than that so far. Uh, he hasn't really lit the world on fire, but he hasn't been horrible. Um, he's been pretty much on par with Batas, which is, I think, uh, about right. <laughs> yeah, it's just enough to ruin my prediction of the uh, Schumacher swap out for next year. So that's unfortunate. Yeah, I don't think Schumacher will be on the grid next year. Yeah. Unfortunately for him, but... Uh, the harder Wolf market some, the less I think that he's going to be on the grid. Yeah. Um, Daniel Ricciardo, it was announced he'll be out until Qatar at least. Um, I'd imagine he'll want to get back in the car as early as possible and get Liam Lawson out of the car as early as possible uh, before Ricciardo loses his seat for next season. Um, yeah, because he knows actually... <laughs> Kind of been picking it up a little bit a little bit at least in this race before he uh decided to not well it wasn't really his decision but i feel like he actually could have done pretty well this race if he hadn't gotten uh, knocked out yeah 
I, uh, I, it's, my prediction for Alpha Tower is starting to <laughs> look less and less likely. Um, yeah. But I, it's, uh, it's hard to know, uh, what's going to happen. Uh, for those who don't remember, my prediction was it was going to be Ricardo and Polo in the Alpha Tower next season. Um, at this point, it, that kind of depends on Ricardo. Uh, I don't think Ricardo's seat for next season is anywhere close to as guaranteed as it was. Um, yeah. Liam Lawson is absolutely lighting the world on fire right now, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, yeah, the question is, who does Alphatari pair with him next year if yeah, they do keep him? Right. Um, so finally, with our paddock news, Stroll's status uh, is still unknown. He did have a massive accident in qualifying in Q1, um, and uh, he withdrew from the Grand Prix because uh, he was not medically cleared to race. So uh, we don't really know anything past that. Whether he'll be back for Japan on Saturday night in the U.S. Uh, remains to be seen. Um, I guess could be Sunday morning in the U.S., depending on which which uh, side of the U.S. you're on. Um, but for us here in the West Coast, it is Saturday night. Uh, so we'll see if Stroll gets back. I, I'd imagine he probably will, unless it's a concussion, then he might be out for a few weeks. Who do they replace? Who's Aston Martin's backup driver? I think it is Teo Porcher. Let me see. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, actually, maybe not. No? No, is it Drogovic? It might be Drogovic. Um, that was for sure. Yeah, so it's Stoffel Van Dorn and Felipe Drogovic. Oh, okay. And I would be very surprised if they didn't use Drogovic. Yeah, he's got a little bit of buzz around him, so... Yeah, he's an F2 driver right now. Stoffel Van Dorn is a reserve driver, but he kind of had his time to shine in F1. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure Felipe Drogovic will be the replacement. If uh, Stroll does not return, it is also possible that they pull Mick Schumacher over, um, Mm. which would be pretty neat. Uh, But anyway... Going into the Formula One Singapore Grand Prix. Now let's go through the top 10 in qualifying to give you some context. On pole position was Carlos Sainz. In second place was George Russell. Third was Charles Leclerc. Fourth was Lando Norris. Fifth was Lewis Hamilton. Sixth through 10 was Kevin Magnussen, Fernando Alonso, Esteban Ocon, Nico Hulkenberg, and Liam Lawson. Now, the officer, the the observant of you might have noticed that neither of the Red Bull drivers were in the top 10. Uh, that is because Max Verstappen qualified in 11th and Sergio Perez qualified in 13th. An absolute shocker from Red Bull this week. Yeah, and both cars were consistently down. Yeah, all three so practices. It, yeah, it wasn't just like a, oh, Verstappen's in a self or something like that. Like, they were... There is some struggle within the inner workings of that car. There just was not vibing with the Singapore track. Yeah, uh, no one really knows what happened. Red Bull doesn't know. The commentators don't know. Um, no one knows why the Red Bull was not was not vibing with that track. But it was just so <laughs> slow this week. Like most of the midfield was faster than Red Bull this week. Kind of slow. Um, yeah, yeah, it was weird watching Mercedes just pull past the red bull like it was on brakes yeah it's like you know you know your car is not gelling with the track when both hosses out qualify you <laughs> um but to be yeah, fair it's got hurt. yeah to be fair the hosses did qualify very very well this this week so um yeah and then liam lawson was the one who knocked verstappen out of q2 and uh so he's got that hype around him. He's the only person that's overtaken Max Verstappen on track, well, until this race, uh, <laughs> this year. And uh, he was the first person to knock Verstappen out of Q2. Um, all right, let's go into the race. Hamilton ran wide in turn one and overtook Russell and Norris. He was told to give those positions back as a result of that. 
Um, Perez and Sonoda came together on lap one, ending Sonoda's race with a puncture. So he DNS'd the the previous race and made it halfway through lap one in the second race. Or in this okay. week's race, yeah. Rough couple of weeks for him. Um, it was kind of business as usual until on lap 20, Logan Sargent hit the wall and brought out a safety car, benefiting everybody except for the Red Bulls. Uh, Leclerc had a slow pit stop, and he was passed by Russell and Norris in terms of net positions. Verstappen and Perez jumped up in the field a little bit because they did not pit under the safety car, uh, but they still had to make a pit stop for new tires later on in the race. Um, Alonso crossed the pit entry line during all of this and earned himself a five-second penalty for that. On lap 37, Alonso battled with Perez and Ocon. Perez defended his position, uh, but Ocon got past Alonso in the process. On lap 39, Ocon passed Perez with a double switchback move that was absolutely gorgeous. On lap 40, Perez pitted and Verstappen then pitted on the next lap. Ocon, as great as that move was a couple of laps earlier, uh, had a... I believe it was decided it was a gearbox failure on lap 41, causing a virtual safety car. Both Mercedes came in for a quick pit stop for fresh tires and lost only one position to Leclerc. Alonso came in but had a 25-second pit stop, so that did really <laughs> did not really help his race. On lap 53, Russell passed Leclerc. Hamilton passed Leclerc on the next lap, uh, and then for the remainder of the race, both Mercedes chased down Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz in first and second. Sainz helped Norris defend from them with DRS, uh, and on the last lap, Russell, Russell crashed out while racing Norris, ending his race with no points. Um, what a race. It was, yeah. I think, the best race of the season so far. Easily. And, not... and I don't think it was just because... I mean, it definitely helped that the Red Bulls weren't out in front, but I think... Max Verstappen, if he was in his typical form, would have been so far ahead. We still would have gotten really good racing between those uh, top four drivers. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I was just about to say it's not. I think it was the best race of the season, and not not just because Red Bull wasn't uh, way out in front, but yeah, we got a four way battle for the lead at the end of the race uh, as the laps wound down, and it was. I don't think I've been on the edge of my seat on the last lap of a race like that since Abu Dhabi of 2021, uh, which we're not going to talk about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was 6.55 in the morning and I was yelling at the TV. So um, <laughs> it was it was quite the race. I was It was very refreshing and nice to see a race like that. Everyone else in the house must have been so happy with you when uh, George Russell went off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was... I'm just like, come on, Lando! Come on, Lando! <laughs> just screaming. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was fun. Um, but uh, regardless, great race. That's uh, that's the point I'm trying to make here. Uh, so let's talk about some stuff. Uh, oh, well, actually, let's go through the results first. In first place was Carlos Sainz. Second place was Lando Norris. Third place was Lewis Hamilton. Um, fourth and fifth were Leclerc and Verstappen. Verstappen with a pretty good comeback drive, actually. Uh, six through ten was Gasly, Piastri, Perez, Lawson, and Magnussen. Uh, Eleven through fifteen was Albon, Joe, Hulkenberg, Sargent, and Alonso. We had four retirements, and they were Russell, Bottas, Ocon, and Tsunoda. Um, so yeah, uh, signs broke Red Bull's win streak this race. Um, I don't remember exactly how many wins that was. I think it was 17 or somewhere around there, which is... Yeah, however many, however many races there have been so far this season, minus one. Plus one. Because they've won... Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they've won everything this year and Abu Dhabi last year, and the last time someone other than Red Bull won, was Brazil last year when Russell won. Right, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, 17 race win streak or somewhere around there. Pretty insane. Uh, I don't know if that's actually been done before. 
I don't think it has. Um, and then I think Red Bull made history at 15, didn't they? I believe so. It would have been probably beating either their own record with Vettel or uh, possibly the McLarens from the late 80s with Senna and Prost and that whole crew. Um, maybe even a Schumacher Ferrari era. I don't. I don't actually remember what the old record was, but uh, anyway. Uh, so Sainz broke Red Bull's win streak. He broke Verstappen's win streak. So the official new record for wins in a row will sit at ten for probably at least another decade, um, if not longer. <laughs> uh, I don't see that being beaten anytime soon uh unless of course Verstappen beats it over the next 10 plus races which is the only way I could see that happening um but anyway uh kind of a interesting uh I mean I'm glad I'm glad Verstappen got the record and uh yep. I'm glad I got to witness that in person uh kind of wish he would have extended it uh, just to see how far it would have gone yeah I just wanted to see how far it could go yeah, but uh, I mean, this is this is the the beauty of Formula One, and this is just what shows it shows why it's so impressive to have a win streak of ten races. Is just you can show up at a track and your car is just slow. It doesn't matter how good your car is, you can have off weeks, and to have ten perfect weeks in a row is just ridiculous. So. Uh, I'm I'm glad I got to see that happen. I'm glad Verstappen got the record. It would have been cool to see if that went farther, like 15, 16 races. But um, at the same time, it was also really nice to see someone other than Max win the race. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And it was cool to see everybody so excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad Sainz did it too. And I think, I think Sainz is really showing that he should not be treated as the second driver to Leclerc like he has been for the past two years. Yeah, he's uh, been he's just been so good. Yeah, I think Steins has the last two Ferrari wins. Um, I don't think Leclerc has won a race in at least two years. I can't think of one. I don't think so. No. Uh, so yeah, I I don't uh, I don't get why. They still favor Leclerc so much. Science is consistently out-qualifying him. He's out-racing him, finishing ahead of him consistently. He doesn't crash nearly as much. Um, yeah, I, I think Leclerc is really good, um, but I think Science is just as good. So uh, if he's off to Audi in the in the coming years, uh, whether that's 2025 or 2026. I think Audi has a fantastic driver on their hands. Yeah, yeah. If Ferrari should really just pay signs whatever he wants to keep them for as long as they can. Yeah, especially considering I'd say they have two top-tier drivers right now, and they don't have beef with each other, at least as far as we can tell from the outside. Um, that's pretty uncommon for to have a team with two of the best drivers on the grid, and the drivers get along with each other that's not common um you just like look at hamilton rosberg look at um Alcon and anyone Alcon, well, yeah, Alcon and anyone <laughs> um prost and senna uh it's it's actually pretty uncommon you just get two of the best drivers on the grid in the same team period um but i would say uh Science is kind of entering that upper echelon of, of drivers on the grid for me at this point. Um, especially this season, he's definitely impressed me a lot. Uh, so, congrats to him. He's the one who took Verstappen down. Um, and he drove a fantastic race. Absolute genius driving. Um, he literally slowed down to give Lando Norris DRS to help him defend against Mercedes. Uh, not just because it helped Lando and their buddies, but also because if the Mercedes passed Lando, I don't think Sainz would have won the race. Yeah, that was 5D chess right there. Yeah. That was really cool to watch. Absolutely. That's so, almost something you'd expect, like, I don't know, Fernando Alonso to do. Yeah. 
the guy who's always trying to play the mind game with other drivers. For sure. Yeah, it was it was definitely genius. I mean, you hear on the last couple laps, you hear signs asking for the gap to Lando, and the commentators are like, doesn't he mean like the gap to Mercedes? And signs is like, no, I need to know if Lando's within a second to make sure he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, brilliant drive from Science. Definitely great presence of mind, especially in that heat and humidity. Uh, very, very impressive. Uh, so. Anyway. Yeah, and even considering the toe from Sainz, Norris also had a pretty good drive. Oh, absolutely. He defended very well from the Mercedes and just was consistently up at the front and challenging Sainz. He was he was always within, you know, a second or two of Sainz throughout that entire race. Uh, so Lando also had a fantastic drive, and I just want Lando to win a race. That's I, I cannot express how much I want that to happen. <laughs> Do you think he's going to be able to do it with McLaren next year? I mean, uh, I know it's so difficult to re- predict the car's pace, but if all the cars are the same next year... It's so ridiculously hard to tell. I mean, it's... If the cars all stayed at the same pace and somehow Red Bull wasn't as good as they are... uh. I'd say yes, probably. I'd say the three drivers that could possibly win a race right now that are not Verstappen and Perez are probably Sainz, Leclerc, Russell, Hamilton, and Norris uh, are the three realistic options other than the Red Bull drivers. Um, That's five, but... What did I say, three? I said three. <laughs> I, said, I said three, but then I forgot that Mercedes existed, so I added them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> forgive my math. I'm thinking faster. There's a whole team me. of pretty good drivers. Yeah. Uh, five drivers, I think. If Red Bull double DNF'd a week or had a week like this, I think five drivers are realistically in the running for uh, a race win, and the, those are the five. Uh, I don't see Fernando Alonso winning a race this year. I don't see Piastri winning a race as good as he has been. Um, and uh, past that, I mean, all the other teams are kind of midfielders. Uh, so, yeah. But anyway, I'm just a fan talking out of my ass. I don't really know what I'm talking about. That's what this podcast is for, baby. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Um, what else do we have to talk about? Uh, Stroll's injury, we kind of glossed over it a little bit. He had a big crash in qualifying and uh, withdrew from the race. We don't really know anything past that. Um, Piastri had a fantastic comeback drive. Speaking of Piastri, uh, he started, uh-huh. what, 18th, something like that? Started 17th. Uh, yeah. He started 17th and finished 7th. So, fantastic drive. He got screwed over by the Stroll crash. It happened literally right in front of him. Uh, so we had to slam on his brakes on his final flying lap and qualifying um, to not hit all the debris that was flying across in front of his face. Um, so he did qualify 17th, but uh, it probably would have been way higher if that didn't happen. And uh, he might have even been challenging up in the top five if that uh, that didn't happen. Um, but regardless, he did get back to P7, and that is a very good drive, especially from a rookie. Okay, let's go through these standings real quick. Uh, just the top ten will do. First through fifth in the championship are Verstappen, Perez, Hamilton, Alonso, and Sainz. Six through ten are Leclerc, Russell, Norris, Stroll, and Gasly. And then the Constructors' Championship, we have Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, Aston Martin, and McLaren in the top five. And then six to ten are Alpine, Williams, Haas, Alfa Romeo, and Alfa Tauri. Alfa Tauri did pick up some points this week in the form of Liam Lawson, who got ninth place. and is now Yeah, really pulling weight there. Yeah, he's only one point behind Sonoda. Uh, I think... This will, here we go. This is, I wanted to talk about this. Um, I think if Liam Lawson outscores Yuki Tsunoda this year, Tsunoda will not get re signed next year. 
And it'll be Ricardo Lawson, just like I predicted. It will either be Ricardo Lawson or possibly Pelo Lawson. I'm still holding out hope. <laughs> uh, but with this showing from Liam Lawson, the last two races, if he does not get signed to AlphaTauri next season, something has gone horribly wrong. I don't know what yeah. more he needs to do. He's winning Super Formula. Well, probably not anymore. He's probably missing races. But uh, he was out in like first or second in Super Formula. He's been great in F2. He's been great in so many series. He's now being pulled in out of nowhere, not being prepared at all for Formula 1. Put in a Formula 1 car. First in Monza, which is its own animal. And then second in Singapore, which is widely considered to be the most physically demanding and difficult tracks of the season. Uh, and in his second F1 race, he, well, third actually, he did Netherlands, my bad. Uh, third F1 race, he scores his first points in a car that is in last place in the championship. And didn't just get 10th, he got 9th. And it wasn't luck. It was completely on merit. He was faster than the other cars. Um, I don't know what else to say. He's like, he's done everything he needs to do to get a seat. So, I I don't know. I I have been. It's it's remarkable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, drivers have done far less to get far more in terms of where rookies get their seats. Yeah, cough cough, Nick DeVries. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, even though I was singing Nick DeVries' praises last year at this And I mean, there's a reason too. He seemed like pretty promising. Yeah. But. Until he wasn't. Until he wasn't. And there were other. I mean, he was in a Williams, which is a rocket ship in a straight line, and his one race was at Monza. So it's like, you know. Eh. <laughs> yeah. He kind of had the perfect, perfect set of circumstances. Um, whereas Liam Lawson scoring his first points in Singapore, I think is far more impressive. And in AlphaTauri. Yeah. <laughs> Which granted, Yuki Tsunoda was topping the qualifying charts. Yeah, uh, he did. At first. So granted the AlphaTauri was set up pretty well, evidently. Yeah. AlphaTauri did seem to make a big leap this week. Uh, they did bring a ton of upgrades. And also, I guess this could go into paddock news or rumors or whatever. Uh, they're basically saying they're going to use this year's Red Bull next year. <laughs> oh, the new racing point. Yeah, it's going to be... Yeah, so uh, if if AlphaTauri is a top three team next year, let's nobody, nobody should be surprised. <laughs> um, Kirkland brand Red Bull. <laughs> yeah, right. Um so anyway, that's kind of all of our ranting aside. That's what we have to talk about for Singapore. Uh, went over the standings already. Pit stop championship time. Um, <laughs> what a surprise. Sergio Perez got the fastest pit stop this week. Followed by Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz. Oscar Piastri was in fourth and Ocon was in fifth. Six through ten was Joe, Albon, Russell, Verstappen, and Hamilton. Um going into the standings nothing really has changed uh still perez way out front uh, and still red bull way out front um no super close battles at least near the front of the pack uh for pit stop championship we do have some ties in the middle of the field alonzo and stroller tied uh in the drivers because uh, pit stop championship um devries and russell are tied at 36 points Sergeant and Joe are tied at 23. Um, but up near the front, there's not too much to talk about. All right. Overtake of the week. Um, I gave this one to Esteban Akhan for his overtake of Perez on lap 39 of the Singapore Grand Prix. This was his double switchback move. Uh, fantastic move. Slower car on what should be a faster car. Um probably not the case this week but uh, also two drivers that do not like each other uh <laughs> it was fun to watch it was a great yeah. move um so that got my overtake of the week this week uh 
Yeah. Too bad Akon couldn't uh, didn't get the chance to make it stick for too long. Right. Yeah. Two laps later, he was done. So that was rough. Brutal. Yep. Um. All right. Weekly predictions. Let's talk about our predictions for this last week at Laguna Seca in IndyCar. Oh boy. Okay. So pole posi- pole position at Laguna Seca went to Felix Rosenqvist. What did you say, Ben? I had Joseph Newgarden. And I had Will Power. We were both incorrect. Yes. Gets a little better on the podium. Uh, it really does, yeah. Podium was Dixon, McLaughlin, and Palo. What was your podium, Ben? I had Dixon, McLaughlin, and Lingard. I don't know where Lingard ended up. I think it was I fifth or sixth. Uh, he, was, he was pretty close. He was up there. I'll take it. Um, I had Palo, Power, and Dixon. So both of us got two out of the three. Yeah. And then we had winning pit stops of four. And uh, I, by some miracle, I had four written down. You did. You nailed it. I was worried that I had two written down for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I had three. So uh, I did not nail it. But uh, good job, Ben. There are just so many cautions that people just <laughs> oh, might as well have a little more time to pit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the Singapore Grand Prix. Let's go through the top five and remind everybody. Um, first was Sainz, second was Norris, third was Hamilton, fourth was Leclerc, and fifth was Verstappen. Uh, this was a nightmare week for us. <laughs> yeah, um, this is a massacre. There is one little sliver of green on this whole screen, and it goes to Ben. So I'll let you tell me your top five, Ben. Yeah, so I had Verstappen, Norris in second, which I did get, uh, followed by Perez, Sainz, Hamilton, and then I had Bottas scoring at least some points. Uh, he did not. No. Uh, I had Perez winning, <laughs> um, <laughs> followed by Verstappen and Norris in third, um, and then Hamilton and Russell fourth and fifth. Uh, and then my dark horse was Alex Albon, who also did not have a good race. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't do so hot. <laughs> I'll get him next time. Yeah, maybe. Fastest lap went to Lewis Hamilton. What did you say, Ben? I had Verstappen. Yeah, I also had Verstappen. Uh, and then driver of the day went to Carlos Sainz, deservedly so. What did you say, Ben? I had Hamilton. And I had Norris. And hey, here's the top three right there. Yep, I was going to say that's the top three for driver of the day votes. Uh, so there you go. All right, let's move on to this week's predictions. Um for the Japanese Grand Prix in Formula One, we have no more IndyCar races. Just to remind everybody, uh, Laguna Seca was the last one. Yeah, it is sad. I I really enjoy watching IndyCar as much as the ads are annoying. Um, IndyCar is a ton of fun to watch. So, anyway, uh, Formula One Japanese Grand Prix. Give me your top five, Ben. I have Verstappen back on top. I literally don't see any reason why he won't be winning the next race, even after Singapore. Um, after that, I have Perez, uh, followed by Sainz, Russell, and Norris in fifth. And then I have Alcon as my dark horse, because he did really well this race. And even though he uh, did not finish, I think that'll be a, a decent confidence boost. I think it's a sign that even if his car isn't the fastest, he's still got some pace in him. Yeah. Okay, I have Verstappen winning as well. Um, I, I, okay, I'll just go through my top five and then we'll talk about it. Okay. <laughs> uh, Verstappen in first, Sainz second, Leclerc third, Norris fourth, and Russell fifth. My dark horse is Fernando Alonso. Um, I have Verstappen winning, but I think Red Bull's going to struggle again. Uh, they kept talking about it throughout the weekend, um, how... Japan has a very similar track style-ish as Singapore in terms of it's very tight, very twisty. The Apparently the track surface is very similar. Um, so with everyone talking about how Red Bull will struggle, uh, I think it's possible. But I do have Verstappen winning because, honestly, if the Red Bulls did not get screwed over by that Logan Sargent safety car... Verstappen would probably have been on the podium, at the very least. He would have started further up from, yeah. So, I think Verstappen, even if the car is a nightmare to drive, will probably win the next race. 
But if the car is a nightmare to drive, I don't think Perez will be in the top five. I see your reasoning. Ah, that's smart. I like that. So... Yeah. I'm also thinking that if they're similar, Red Bull has an entire week to go back to the drawing board and figure out a whole race's worth of data, essentially, uh, and try to parse that into some tuning change for the car. Yeah. See if they can get it a little little under, uh, or a little more grip. Yeah. Um, I have the Ferraris coming second, third. Uh, I think Ferrari has figured something out in their in their car's design. Uh, I think they've made a breakthrough because the last few weeks they've seemed very on top of it. Um, so I think Ferrari's coming back. Obviously, McLaren is way better than they were at the beginning of the season, and Norris is consistently top fiving now. Uh, and then I have Russell in fifth, and I honestly could have put him or Hamilton. Uh, it just seems like Russell has a slight edge over Hamilton this year. Um, so there's my reasoning there. And then Fernando Alonso being a dark horse, uh, he's kind of on the edge of <laughs> the ability to be a dark horse. Um, but yeah, I, I think I mean at the start of the season, he very much was. Yeah, you can't close put him to the top. Yeah. So, but at this point in the season. I don't think Aston Martin has kept up with the development nearly as well as they, as other teams. Um, so I would say, honestly, I think the Aston Martin is a midfield team now. While they were, you know, the second fastest car at the beginning of the season, uh, which is kind of sad because I was really hoping to see Alonso fight for the championship. <laughs> yeah, it was cool to see for the five races it lasted for. Um, but, yeah, okay. Fastest lap prediction. Go ahead, Ben. Uh, I have Verstappen with fastest lap. Okay. And I have Carlos Sainz. Okay, driver of the day. Uh, I have Sainz for that. I think if Sainz does well again, then I think there's a chance, especially relative to the Red Bulls, that uh, he takes a hole. Okay. And I have Fernando Alonso. All right. So that rounds off our predictions for this week. Um, Red Bull did not win the championship this week. They had an opportunity to. Uh, they had to finish 1-2, uh, basically with Mercedes not scoring any points. Um, so they did not do that this week. I don't know what they have to get next week. I'm sure it's a lot less. Uh, so if we see two Red Bulls in the top five, they'll probably wrap it up. Um, but, uh, I'm sure we'll get some more mathy data on that as the race approaches. Um, but it's not far off. Red Bull will probably either win in Japan or Qatar, uh, Qatar at the very latest. Uh, so yeah, we'll see what happens there. I know we were talking about it last week, like how have they not won already? Um, but they're very close. Uh, they just could not quite pull it off this week. Yeah, and I think their saving grace for clinching it in Japan will be Mercedes not advancing both cars past the finish line this race. Yes, honestly, yeah. Uh, I think if Russell finished, if even if they finished third and fourth and didn't pass Norris, uh, they might have even been able to survive past Japan next year, or next week, sorry. Um, but with Verstappen finishing fifth and... Perez finishing 8th, I believe. Uh, they did still score points. They scored probably about as many points as Hamilton did on his own. I think actually exactly the amount of points Hamilton did on his own. <laughs> uh, so with one race less, they'd be going into the... with the same spread uh, with one race less, so they need 26 points less. Um... So honestly, if Mercedes doesn't win the race next week, Red Bull will probably win the championship. Uh, hmm. Is at least one of the stipulations. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, that that just means Mercedes, Red Bull will probably win the championship next week in Japan. That'd be kind of cool. Would be, yeah. Get that Honda Honda celebration going. Well, Red Bull Honda powertrains. Yeah, at least for now. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah, and then Aston Martin takes that over pretty soon. 
Uh, Interested to see what an Aston Martin Honda collaboration livery looks like if they do that in Japan. Well, I don't think they're collaborating collaborating yet. Aston Martin is still with Mercedes. Yeah, but like next year. Oh, yeah. Does it start next year or does it start in 26? Year after. I don't know. Whenever they do that. I think I think they did that in 26 because I know that's when Red Bull switched to Ford is in 2026. Yeah, so. okay. Uh, anyway. Yeah, you're right. Uh, all right. It's time for Ben's Words of Wisdom. What do you got for us this week, Ben? Yes. Uh, experience from today and thinking about it and I think marinating your steak and chicken and pork and other things that you're going to grill or even, you know, put on a pan. I think marinating is really underrated. You don't really see many people do it, I feel like, at least not in my friend group slash age range. Uh, I know it takes a lot of kind of prep. You got to make the marinade. You got to get your steaks ready. You got to put them in the fridge for like an entire day. But it's just like half an extra half hour of work a day before. And they come out so much better. And yeah, it there are so many benefits to it that it's it's so worth it. So please marinate your stuff before you barbecue it or cook it. Awesome stuff, Ben. It does taste fantastic when they are marinated, even just with some basic stuff. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Uh, All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Rev Hang. If you enjoyed it, leave a like or rating on the platform you listened on. It really helps us out. If you want to see updated standings for IndyCar, the final standings for IndyCar, and uh, updated standings for F1, or a calendar of upcoming racing from all sorts of different series, check out our website, revhang.com. If you have a question about racing or about us, hit us up on Twitter using hashtag RevHangPodcast, and we may feature your question on the next show. You can also follow Ben on Instagram at BenjiMeetsWorld and myself at 2N underscore squared. You can follow RevHang at RevHangMedia. We'll be back, if I can talk, we'll be back in a week to talk about the Formula One Japanese Grand Prix. But until then, I have been Nathan. And I'm Ben. Thanks for hanging out. See you later.